Today we're talking about the hot new game that everybody is talking about, Fuga Melodies of Steel 2. Welcome back to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. I am, of course, just kidding. We're actually talking about that other recent release, Marvel's Midnight Sun for PS4 and Xbox One. Just kidding, we're talking about Zelda. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Kirk Hamilton. And I'm Maddie Myers. Hello. Hey, hello. hello. It's us. If you are listening to this on the day it's out, that means that you could potentially come see us live tonight. Tonight, right? It's Hurry. happening today. Just on a, on a whim. <laughs> just a few just hours. right now. Yeah. You could man. just come out. Two eps in one day. You could have two right. eps. Two eps. That's pretty exciting. Isn't That's that a wild? Lot. Like, you could listen to this whole app, and then you, that night you could go listen to a second completely different app. <laughs> that is a lot of wow. Zelda talk. Yeah. Hey, we, don't, we haven't recorded that yet. Or this That's true. <laughs> That's true. But I can tell but you in advance fair that it's going to be <laughs> a lot of Zelda talk. Yeah. A lot of Zelda talk is just going to be the show's motto for the next little while, yep. I think. A lot of Zelda. Got hey, a lot of Zelda. if you want to listen to us talk about Zelda for quite some time you can do that for free but we are only able <laughs> to offer the show for free because we are listener supported we are part of a network called maximum fund and if you go to maximumfund.org slash join you can become a member and what that means is you support the show you make this possible and also you get access to monthly bonus episodes including this month's which the three of us are going to record live in person in my office at home. We are. It's very uh, exciting. Where, Jason's uh, secret children napping in the next room. Yes, my 40 All 16 secret of children. Them. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I collect children as if they are Korok seeds. I just put them in my office. Yeah, you gotta catch um, them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah so we are going to be recording the three of us playing a game uh in real life i won't say what it is just yet because we might change our minds so we are we allowed we to say it's not zelda it is not zelda we will be <laughs> yeah, talking about what a game what if it's just us play sitting no, in no. silence for three hours just, being like, mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> cool. you're an occasional joy con waggle <laughs> Um, so once again, if you want to listen to that and many, many other bonus episodes, including our future spoiler cast that we talk about Zelda on, so if you want yes. more Zelda, uh, yeah, go to maximumfun.org slash join. All right. That is, uh, it is time for the show. Maddie, what are we talking about today? What do you think we're talking about? Sorry to ruin the surprise. <laughs> what are we talking about today? <laughs> I don't know. All I, we're going like, to talk about the Lord of the Rings Gollum, the most anticipated game <laughs> of that, 2023. <laughs> it's not out yet, actually. But I, When I close my eyes, I just see logs like jamming together and like mm-hmm. fans on top of them. And, <laughs> With like neon uh-huh, green wheels. gorilla glue mm-hmm. adhesing each of those mm-hmm. logs together to form a big yes. chain of of course, we are talking about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. The hit new immersive sim slash open world game sequel to Breath of the Wild. I... All I want to do is play this video game. I mean, luckily we like it. I assume we like it. I guess I don't know. (laughs) I guess I have to ask. I'm making a lot of assumptions here. Uh, But I've played this game pretty much nonstop since I got it. While editing stories, like every every you know hour, I'll like look at Slack, I'll edit a story, and then I'll just go back to playing Zelda. That's mm-hmm. like twenty four mm-hmm. hours a day uh-huh. for me right now. I, I did mm-hmm. work through the weekend, so I'm really punchy right now. I've been working a lot. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Zelda, but I want to hear what you two think about it. I can't. I can't even tell you how many hours I've played because I don't know. I don't know. Probably people probably are like, Maddie, why do you 15, keep typing 20? shrine names while you're trying to edit? Why, why do I stories? keep trying to type in Slack while using my Joy-Con? Before we get to this, are you editing Zelda stories, like in guides and stuff while yeah. you play Zelda? Okay, that's I am. Part. So, for example, Ana Diaz wrote a story about how people are making incredibly long bridges in mm-hmm. Zelda using the Ultra Hand ability to solve every single problem. <laughs> and then immediately after I edited that, I created created a really long bridge to solve 
a puzzle that I was stuck Can on. Can I tell you? Oh, man. I solved a puzzle with an immediate, like, an immense bridge, just yep. the biggest bridge. And then, like, five minutes later, I saw that article on Polygon, and I yep. started laughing because I saw myself. It is... As of this recording, the most trafficked article on the site above guides, which is insane to say. That is how much the people love long bridges in Zelda. This game really is a bridge building game. It is it just is. a game about connecting a bunch of boards and logs <laughs> in a really, 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 really long line and then placing it across something and then walking across it. It's <laughs> Isn't so goofy. though? It's not that for me. And I will explain. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have Why? to be. And it's so many other things too for me. I but we'll get into all of them. It's not just a bridge simulator, Jason. Why don't why don't you tell us what the game is like for you and how long you've been playing it? Well, so since I discovered that you can make elevators by just like <laughs> taking something, throwing it up in the air, yep. letting it come down, yes. and then using recall, recall on yep. it. Uh, that's all I do instead of bridges because you can just mm. throw stuff forward and then just like... Uh, okay, I thought you were going to talk about something completely different, like not an immersive sim element of the game, but instead you're just talking about a different No, ability. I'm just saying I'm just saying that's <laughs> yes, what I yes. use in lieu of bridges. Right. So Understood. For, the, for me, it is more of an elevator game than a bridge game. Right. right. Manipulating gravity by rewinding time is the sort of next level of building a really big bridge. Exactly. It is. Exactly. It is. <laughs> if you're, you're evolving in technology... Over time. I think my next next level is gonna be using the Zonai wing more often mm, because Zonai you can, wing's very cool. Yeah, I really wasn't good at it, but then right before this call, edited a story by Chris Plant about how you can use recall on the wing to make it take off backwards. Mm -hmm. And then mm, you get mm -hmm. on it and then let it take off like a plane. And also if you put a rocket on it, you can fire the rocket when you're in the air, also like a plane. Oh, and then sure. You can I can actually picture that. Flight. <laughs> is this, are we going to do this for 30 Hopefully minutes? Hopefully everyone listening to this has played this game yeah, and yes. like, can I picture can, some of these things we're talking about. <laughs> Otherwise, can't. it's just gibberish. This yeah, is, Maddie, do you want to I need to back up. I need to back up. And then we can get into our war stories. From yes. We'll try. We'll try to just just calm down. I'm just so excited about this video game because I'm having such a great time. It's a, it's a very exciting game. So this is the sequel to Breath of the Wild. You still play as Link so far, folks. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a huge game that changes a whole bunch of things about the way that Hyrule was in Breath of the Wild. So it's kind of like, as, as the jokes go, it's DLC for Breath of the Wild, and that is how it was originally conceived by Nintendo. But there are so many things that are different mm. about it and new about it. Completely different abilities like Ultra Hand, which we've been talking about, that lets you glue objects together and build a car. And and also all these other abilities from this, um, this ancient civilization that was just kind of barely depicted in Breath of the Wild that's called the Zonai. And is a huge part of this game. There's a Zonai character who's kind of a ghost being from another timeline that is communicating with you and telling you how to use all the Zonai technology. His name is Raru. He's my, my goat shaped uncle. He's, he's perfect <laughs> in every way. And I love him. He's also the first King of Hyrule. If you care about lore, he's, he's an ancient King. Um, and he, so he shows you how to use all these different powers. Um, in the beginning of the game. And then you just land in Hyrule and it's just a huge freaking sandbox. There's still shrines, there's still puzzles, there's still dungeons, there's still all that Zelda goodness, or at least Zelda goodness according to us. But it's also way more of a creative, immersive sim that rewards experimentation. Is that enough? I don't know. I Did I explain it? Who's to say? No, that, that's good. That's good. <laughs> we'll, we'll explain it as we go. Let yeah. me. So let me give a little bit of my experience with this game. So I was also working this weekend. I had a video project I had to finish. So I was sort of, that's I couldn't tragic. relax yeah. and enjoy the game because I'm feeling the pressure. You know, we're heading to New York for the show. Yes. We're about to do a move. Emily and I are moving. So there's like all this stuff going on. And this is a game that you really have to relax into. So I found it hard to play. I played through the opening tutorial area mm -hmm. on Friday. I'd kind of blocked as much of the day out as I could. But even then, I had that creeping feeling of, man, I really got to work on this project. So then I would just be like, I'm not playing Zelda until I get to a certain, you know, milestone in this project. And then kind of wound up having that push-pull over the weekend. But yeah, I mean, I, I've played a lot. I've played probably 10 hours or something. I've played every moment that I could mm -hmm. that has involved going to kind of the entirety of the map, which I should say we are going to talk about on this episode. So that being um, the sort of three levels of the map. 
Okay, so by the entirety, you don't mean every region. You mean no, just... no. Sorry, I mean I mean all three levels. So. <laughs> Kirk's just quickly gone through the okay. entirety of all three levels of the map. That's okay. all he's managed to do. But <laughs> so I want to give people a sense, I guess, of like what we are and aren't going to talk about. These are pretty early impressions, at least yes. for me. I really don't know what I think of this game overall, other than that I'm having a great time and I think it's really cool. But like broader critical thoughts, it's impossible. I feel like I've had a tiny little taste of this massive multi-course meal. But yeah, so I've been exploring through the depths. I spent a long time in the depths last night. I kind of got to the first sort of boss and the, the first end there. of a... I don't of a, like yeah, it down it, there. <laughs> Jason was saying it reminds him of Crota's End from Destiny, which it does kind of. It has some of those light uh, and dark mechanics. Well, there's a quest. One of the first quests you do is following yes. these statues, which point you yeah. out to, to other statues. And that was so Crota's End, like straight yeah. out of Destiny's Crota's End. Yeah, really Destiny cool. Um, so I have a couple of big picture thoughts, actually, that I've been kind of trying to crystallize thinking about what yeah, this game ahead. does that Breath of the Wild doesn't. And so two, two kind of things, uh, thoughts that I had immediately. One is that this game is humongous and Breath of the Wild felt humongous. This feels like it might be three times bigger. Like the Breath of the Wild was a game that was like, oh man, you can go to that mountain over there and see what's cool over there. Oh wait, here's something over there. Oh, here's something over there. This is very much the same spirit, except in addition to everything you see, there are also massive networks of underground caves and tunnels and wells and stuff that are on top of the three layers that, Kirk, you just described. So it's really four layers. There's the skies, which are full of islands, full of cool stuff. There's the the normal kingdom of Hyrule. Then there's all sorts of stuff under Hyrule that you'll find. I spent like an hour just going through caves under uh, the town of Hatino. Um, and then there's the depth. So it's it's really bigger than anyone could possibly fathom. And like uh, even people, mm, I, I wonder if people like even people who got it leaked uh, a couple of weeks ago, I wonder if they've even like maxed out everything, seen all there is to see. I doubt it. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I know huge. from but looking the, at leaks that they huge. found quite a bit. Yeah, but... they found quite a bit, but not. I, who knows? Um, but it's humongous. It's it's hard to comprehend. Like I, I feel like I'm going to be playing this game for another year. Um, so, yep. uh, and we could talk about what that means and whether, uh, whether how, how that thing. resonates with us. Yeah. And <laughs> as we, as time goes on, cause I'm sure we will be talking about this game quite a bit over the coming weeks and months. Um, but here's kind of the big picture critical thought, which is that Breath of the Wild, part of the delight of the whole thing was, like I mentioned before, being able to see something and go to it, being able to climb over everything, a game that just said yes to you at every possibility. And there were parts of the game that could feel, I don't know about bad, but certainly weren't quite as like elating. Uh, they weren't quite as like thrilling as that feeling of exploration. And that was the traversal for the most part and the combat. Traversal was fine. I mean, you glide around, you move around, you run around. It's cool. It's chill. It's got some moments. Combat was always just kind of like, I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how Kirk just threw bombs at everybody and that was his <laughs> combat experience. That might yeah. be fun but it's not like the ideal it's not it's no Elden Ring so what this game does is it gives you this suite of new abilities that just make traversal on combat both exponentially better traversal thanks to ultra hand and ascend and recall and just being able to experiment with all three of those abilities in all sorts of cool different ways and combat and this is really where the game just like totally blew me away with fuse you just feel like you're constantly able to try new things and have so much more fun in the the day the moment to moment of combat than you could before i mean i'm just like constantly shooting arrows experimenting with different items attached shooting bomb flowers at anything I can to just like trigger explosives and stuff. Can you explain fuse and how it works and sort of the different ways that you can use it? Yeah. If you're, if you're listening to this and you, you haven't played the game or seen the game. So the way fuse works, fuse is one of the abilities. Maddie mentioned ultra hand earlier. I mentioned ascend, which just lets you shoot up in the air and go, go through uh, any ceiling you can find recall. We mentioned rewinds time fuse is the fourth one. Fuse lets you um, essentially you can attach any uh, or a lot of items that you find on the ground to either your weapon, your sword, or your shield. Um, and then also items in your inventory you can attach to arrows, which is the most fun because you can just kind of flick a and button the easiest and to start do. shooting. Yeah, and the easiest to do for sure because it, it pauses when you do that, which, which makes combat way easier. And I will say that's my only complaint about this game so far is that fusing weapons, swords, is significantly harder than fusing arrows mm. to the point where I'm I think like, that's deliberate. how mm. are they not going to fix this? It's crazy slow. No, 
that's deliberate for sure because otherwise it would be too easy to just fuse like your opponent's weapons in combat and like there are times when (laughs) there are times (laughs) when an enemy there's there are times when an enemy is about to fuse something and you want to try to interrupt them and if you could just pause during a fuse that would totally ruin that whole experience. I suppose so. But it's like fusing arrows is so easy. But of course, the arrows are a finite resource, but weapons are also a finite resource, which is part of why I'm like, it needs to be just a teeny tiny bit easier. But it's fine. Continue, Jason. Well, so just to kind of put a bow on this this thought is just like the fact that Tears of the Kingdom is able to make combat and traversal even better in this this kind of experience that was already pretty incredible, like greatest game of all time status. I mean, it's just mind boggling to me. Like I'm just I've also like you guys have just been breathing Zelda nonstop for the past couple of days and um I just can't get enough of it. I can't stop thinking about it. It's just like burrowed into my head and <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm just blown away. Yeah. So I think it's really cool to see Nintendo make an iterative sequel like this because they don't usually operate in that way mm-hmm. and never really have for Zelda because usually with a Zelda sequel, you get a very different game. Um, sometimes that's controversial. Sometimes, you know, people, they introduce things that people aren't happy about, but they're always different. Majora's Mask accepted. And then the the upshot of that is that you can always go back to Wind Waker, and when you play Wind Waker, it feels like you're playing Wind Waker. It's Mm -hmm. very, very different from whatever it was, Twilight Princess. Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks and, you know. Right, which which came after. Which are nominally sequels, but not as beloved. Well, and they're all different. And the point is, like, you can have a favorite, and you can just go back and play your favorite, and it'll be different than the other ones. Mm -hmm. That's a little less true with some of them, like um, Link Between Worlds, for example, does actually sort of feel like an iterative sequel to Link to the Past. But broadly speaking, that's sort of been true. This is really interesting because you can see it, does feel like this is DLC that expanded into a full game. BTW, I will be very curious what Silk Song is like, just because these, this is going to be two games. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hopefully, it still comes out this year, but two games this year or in this time period that were DLC to beloved massive action RPGs that then became full blown games and theoretically refine and add new elements to those games. So, kind of cool that we're getting to to have that for two really amazing games like Hollow Knight and Breath of the Wild. Anyways, it's really cool to see because. Um, for the downsides that people I'm sure have complained about, I haven't really been reading the reaction online, but I'm sure there have been people saying, oh, this is too, cl- too similar to Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. the music cues, the sound, the look, the feel, whatever. For me, it's really interesting because you get to see these little decisions that have really big consequences. Some of what we're talking about are good examples of that. For example, there are no more elemental arrows. There's just arrows. Yep. And now you just combine whatever, anything you can think of with any of just like the base arrow that you carry around to create fire arrows, electrical arrows, frozen arrows, or or seeking, like heat seeking arrows, you know, um, all these different kinds of arrows. And that's really cool. It, it actually solves a problem that I hadn't really thought about or articulated when I played Breath of the Wild, which is you have all these different kinds of arrows. You never really use them, you know? They're kind of like you save them. Like, I, I think we talked about this on the show. Mm-hmm. I was always mm-hmm. saving the yeah, arrows and never using mm-hmm. them. I was using them in all the wrong ways and then still not having them. <laughs> right, yeah. and you kind of need them for certain yes. things. and then you're like, great, I need an elemental arrow for this stupid thing. Like, I only have two. Yeah, it was a right. So now it's just tied to this other resource that you can go and gather and these fruit, these plants that you can get. And I actually, I'm hoping that I can have a garden at some point. I feel like you probably, there's going to be a garden in this game somewhere, but I don't know if there is, where you can grow whatever you want, Monster Hunter style, and kind of return there to pick all the fire fruits and ice fruits and whatever that you need. But I really like that mechanic. Also, I like, let's, I think we should just talk some about the abilities, some more Mm -hmm. about them, because these abilities... (laughs) have replaced, you know, Magnesis and Stasis and whatever from Breath of the Wild. They are really awesome. And I think there's one change, I guess, to to point out one thing to start with. Jason, you mentioned bombs. So, yeah, I used to use bombs all the time in Breath of the Wild. Anyone who watched us streaming the game when I was playing has seen that. Where you can use bombs as a kind of trash enemy destroyer because you have these bombs that just come back for free. And you have two different ones, a square one and a circle one. So if you just cycle between them, there's not even any cooldown. You just can throw bombs constantly in the game. And it really makes it easy to deal with almost any enemy short of a boss. And they've removed that. And actually, now all the abilities don't do damage. So 
So when a skeleton comes at you out of the ground or whatever, you have to actually fight it. And there's a lot of little stuff like that. Like, I think that's just a really smart change. It removes a power that was really useful, but maybe too useful, and replaces it with things that are just require a little bit more creativity. Well, so what's striking also about removing last game's powers, and I remember when I first, when I played Tears of the Kingdom at the preview event, I was like looking out for that. I was like, where are the powers that I had in Breath of the Wild? Is you don't really miss any of them. Um, maybe maybe some people might be like, oh man, I wish I had cryo- cryosis or like could could freeze things. Well, but do you miss them, right? You personally, right? You do- you're saying you don't miss yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I say that, when I say that I haven't experienced because bombs are easily replaced with bomb flowers, which are pretty yes. copious throughout the world. So that's not even a thing. When you have the feeling of fun of like, hey, a bomb flower. Yes, right, like exactly. when I find some, I'm excited to get exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. And also there's no shortage of them. Like I never run out and I use them all the time. Um, magnesium Stasis is obviously replaced with Ultra Hand. That's not even a thing. Stasis, I mean, Stasis, you could see there were some cool physics you could do by just like launching things in the air. But mm-hmm. Recall and Ultra Hand replace that so well that it's not yeah. really something that yeah, I think many so people cool. will miss. Cryosis, I mean, you can freeze things in other ways. You can't make blocks come out of the water anymore, but that's okay, I think. Um, yeah, and that I think a that's weird really. Power. It was, was always a like weird power. Go. Definitely yeah. limited. It was, it was limited the, definitely the black shoes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, uh, so I think that like, it's to this game's credit that they came up with this suite of powers that a complement each other better than those games, uh, than, than those powers in Breath of the Wild did. And B, that they just feel like these incredible tools that have completely replaced, like, like, at least I personally have not felt like I missed anything in, in, in Breath of the Wild. And to your point, Kirk, I think that a lot of those things, plus all of the like quality of life things they've improved, the fact that when you open a chest and there's a weapon inside and you're out of space, you can just drop something automatically <laughs> instead of having to reopen the chest. The fact that there's mm-hmm. a conversation log, the fact that like all these other things they've stuck in to make the game Save feel recipes a lot more is really friendly. nice. The saving yeah, recipes, the recipes is fantastic. Yeah. Um, all this stuff, plus the fact that it feels so much like Breath of the Wild, almost makes it feel like Breath of the Wild is like made obsolete by this in a way that other Zelda games have not been. And I imagine it would be really difficult. In fact, I think it is very difficult because I experienced this after the preview event. I tried to revisit Breath of the Wild and I was like, where's my Ultra Anne? Like, this is <laughs> this is tough to play. I want to be able to ascend into things. So yeah, it, it's interesting that they do that with the iterative sequel, um, but it also feels like they've made a better game, which which is incredible to say after like the heights of the wild hit. Yeah. I kind of wonder how accessible it is to people who didn't play breath of the wild though, because just anecdotally, I have a couple coworkers where they didn't play breath of the wild and they're trying this one and they're having a way harder time mm, that's understanding really how the game works. Yeah. I, I mean, again, this is a pretty limited sample set. I'm talking about two people here. So I, this might not be some massive trend that I'm documenting, but I can imagine how that would be the case because breath of the wild also is extremely good at tutorializing its version of an open world with you know guardrails on like there are a lot of things you can't do in breath of the wild despite it feeling like you can do anything and the recipes are introduced really well chopping down trees is in there etc really all in that opening area that i very recently replayed so i can understand how somebody just entering the great sky islands which is the opening area of this game having never done any of that stuff in breath of the wild cooking using logs for anything at all like it's a lot to learn Like they're assuming you know how to do all that stuff and that you're ready to build after that. I found that this tutorial is easier to get a hold of because like it it specifically highlights all these buttons for you and like reminds (laughs) you of everything. I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously I haven't had that experience. I think it's I think it's more just that on top of all the presumed knowledge of Breath of the Wild stuff that we all know so well that we know. No, I'm talking about the old stuff. Like, immediately, like, you can't do everything right away. It shows you, you slowly get a bow and learn how to fire a bow. You, it, it puts these Zonai robots, like, if you're talking to every Zonai robot in the Great Sky Islands, you pretty much get a tutorial for even all the stuff you, you, you learn in Breath of the Wild. I think a bigger problem is that this game and Breath of the Wild does something similar. And when I say problem, I don't mean this is actually a negative in the game as much as a problem for new players is that um, you can wind up missing big things if you go off in a random path. Like 
you can leave uh, and explore the world without actually getting the paraglider, which is really, which would really suck if you did that. Um, I did didn't do that. Know. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also if you don't, if you don't kind of follow the natural path to like that first stable, um, you don't wind up finding Impa and doing that, like uh, starting that whole quest, you don't wind mm-hmm. up like getting a horse. And so there's, there's some things that like, you'll just want to follow the main path for before just going off. But other than that, I mean, I think it's pretty well tutorialized, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't had the experience of not playing Breath of the Wild before this. Right. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see in four or five years if people go back and play Breath of the Wild, because I think that they will, just because of how video games work. Sure. Um, But yeah, we'll just have to see. I think it's interesting about the paraglider and about that that idea that you mentioned, Jason, that you can miss things. I remember in Breath of the Wild uh, missing some of those combat tutorial shrines, which Mm. are also in this game. They teach you, for example, a move that I didn't know. I just did a shrine that taught me this is if you select something with the new quick select with up on the d-pad and then if you do that while hitting the r button yes like the throw button yep. it actually puts that object in your hand and you can throw it so you can like throw mm-hmm. a fire flower and make it a bomb mm-hmm. like a little fire bomb that you can throw that wasn't something i knew it taught me in the shrine i remember in breath of the wild going back and playing one of those early combat shrines way later in the game just because I'd missed it. And it was giving me a combat tutorial and realizing, oh, there is a combat tutorial in this game. I just sort of missed it. So some of that is the fact that I'm playing with the pro HUD, which I played with from the start. And there are a few things that the game doesn't tell you how to do. I actually kind of think that it should. I think this is a kind of a, a bit of an oversight, not a huge deal since the pro HUD is kind of meant for it's having... It's for pro gamers. It's for the it's Kirk Hamilton's of the world. It's for your Tears yeah. of the Kingdom player. But I think if you're experienced with Breath of the Wild... It's a safe, it's kind of feels like a safe assumption to think, well, yeah, I, I really don't like how busy the full HUD is. Mm-hmm. So I went to the Pro HUD, which removes a lot of stuff. That was how I played Breath of the Wild. I wrote a whole article. I remember on Kotaku being like, definitely play this way. A lot of people switched over and were thankful because they didn't even know that was an option in that game. And I think it's way better without a mini map. This game is very pretty easy to navigate without one. So there are a few things it doesn't tell you. Like it doesn't tell you to wiggle the stick using Ultra Hand to disconnect something that you've attached, which it took me a while to figure out how to do that. It doesn't tell you how to accelerate when you're skydiving, that you mm-hmm. do that with R. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gathering that it uh, is. it also can tell you that, that throw thing. So there's some mm-hmm. stuff with the Pro HUD. The normal HUD does have its advantages. It yeah. does, but it's also got a lot of disadvantages. But anyways, um, whatever is your preference, it's nice that at least there's an option, even That's though I think true. this game... Could give you a lot more options um, in terms of HUD and accessibility. Yeah, God, the lack of button remapping is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish there were more HUD options, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Like, yes. I, I want something between those two because I get lost yeah. very easily. Like, I'll just get turned around and be like, what direction am I going? A compass and would I be don't, awesome. I don't want to have yeah. to open the map every time. So really, I'm only using the HUD for the map and I'm not looking at anything else and I'm trying to learn everything granularly. But yeah, anyway. Continue. So to the paraglider, I think it's actually really cool that you can just go out into the world without the paraglider this yeah. time. That is possible in Breath of the Wild if you do that whole thing where you get on a rock and use stasis to launch yourself to the ground. But like, it's not easy to do. And while, yes, you can play through probably too much of the game not having fun and not realizing that you're supposed to have this core ability, it's actually really cool that it's possible because I've always really liked the part of Breath of the Wild that you play without the paraglider because it forces you to be so much more conscious with the way that you traverse things and I could see that being kind of cool here too I mean <laughs> it'd be hard but you'd have to skydive into water every time yeah <laughs> I mean, I I'm could sure see... people are gonna do like no I paraglider see, it wouldn't be exactly. possible. I'm, I mean okay maybe it would be possible but it of would course. be very difficult to <laughs> we explore. know everything is possible you've seen what people do in Breath of the Wild it'll be possible it's true that's true but it would be very difficult to explore the Sky Islands without a power glider. But not impossible. Say. Definitely not impossible. possible. If you experiment with the Zonai fans and rockets and stuff. Yeah. Then, yeah. Exactly. And, and the Zonai wing. You just use that uh-huh. every time instead of a paraglider if you want it to. And just carry well, it with you everywhere. It runs out of batteries pretty well, quickly. But yeah. That's true. But so. so one thing um, that I do in, in Breath of the Wild that I'm also doing here is I almost never fast travel. I just think it's really fun to not fast travel, to just go the long way, because so much of the fun of this game is just trying to walk somewhere and then getting distracted a hundred yeah. different times uh-huh. by fun things that you see. <laughs> Very hard to get stuff done in this game. Yeah, because it's almost it impossible. It's, it's distractions the game, because you'll see something on the way to anything you go to. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, and the one thing I learned from Breath of the Wild was just don't bother mainlining the story. Like, there will always be times where you'll kind of feel like, okay, I want to do another dungeon. I did, I've done one story dungeon. I should say mm-hmm. the one to the northwest. I won't say anything else about it. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. I mean, it was an amazing mission, and um, it was really cool. But, uh, you know, the fun of the game is just taking your time and, and wandering around. Um, I do wish that you didn't have to fast travel out of the depths. I wish you could use Ascend to get out of the depths, which I know, I think you can in a couple places, but I wish that just when you were down there, I don't know, if you could go stand under one of the entrances to the depths, maybe, and mm-hmm. if you just selected Ascend, it would just launch you back up to the surface. I just think that'd be cool because then I wouldn't have to fast travel out, and I never like fast traveling out of the depths. It always just feels like it kind of interrupts my flow. Interesting. Can you can you use Ascend under one of those roots, like the fast travel points in the depths? No, okay. no. I thought that maybe that would do it too, but that doesn't work. I mean, you can do it, but then it just puts you up to like the top, like the right, side of right, the right, route. Right. <laughs> it doesn't it. take you out. Got it. Um, but I really like Ascend. Um, just to, to give some love to Ascend. It is such a cool ability. I always forget I have it, which I think will be common for people starting out. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute. I don't, I don't have to figure out some weird roundabout uh-huh, way to climb uh-huh. this thing. I can mm-hmm. just like go straight like, up. Chug six stamina potions, which I did <laughs> right. one time early on. And then I was like, wait, why right. did I do this? I could have just ascended out just of here. Shot and I you guys so realize you can go anywhere by like taking a platform, throwing it up in the air, landing it again. Mr. Recall, Elevator recall and then ascend. <laughs> yeah. Because when, it, when you recall it, it'll be in the air and then you can ascend and go into it. Um, mm-hmm. Also, ascend. So I don't know how many like side quests you guys have been doing. There are some awesome ones, super fun ones. Um, I cleared like Katina Village, which is um, I haven't even gone there yet. Yeah, me either. To southeast. So don't tell me too much. I won't tell you too much, but there's some really cool. I mean, it feels like this game has a bazillion more quests than Breath of the Wild did. Like every single new stable you get to, or like village you get to, just like a dozen yeah. dudes with exclamation point, red exclamation points <laughs> requests. But um, Hatina Village did a ton of quests. They're all they all revolve around this like mayoral election, which is super fun. But one quest right. which I really enjoyed involved having to use the send to get into some place that you wouldn't normally be able to go so they're playing around with it in some really fun ways the way that they are all of the abilities the way uh, ascend really feels like um a classic zelda ability it feels like something you would be able to do in like um like the core it would be the core mechanic in like uh, uh an old school 3d mm. zelda game um, mm-hmm. Which, by the Recall way, I mean, feels that way to me, honestly. Well, I was going to say, of one of the crazy things about these abilities is that they each feel like they could be the core mechanic of a game <laughs> on its own. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it could just be Ultra nuts. Hand, and that I, would be a whole game. Yeah, too. at first, it's so funny. I remember seeing that Onuma video a couple of months ago when they first showed these abilities, and I was like, oh, is that it? But now, the more you play with them, the more you're like, holy crap, Like these are like like revolutionary. What? Yeah. It, that's very true, and they feel like mods in a certain way that uh-huh. you can kind of see the game dev yep. tool uh-huh. yeah, of it all. Uh-huh. Especially well, they Ascend are. Anuma actually Hand, described right. that in an interview right. with us about how Ascend specifically was a cheat code. That it it's was basically like God no clip. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a no clip. The devs were using it to get out of dungeons and caves that they just wanted to escape quickly, and then they were like, "Let's put it in the game," which is pretty hilarious, <laughs> honestly. So. It feels like a mod in a certain way, right? Where it, or like a, a dev tool. Um, yep. I've been watching more Psych Odyssey, the Double Fine documentary, and just watching a lot of game developers work and play around with their tools. So I've kind of got this fresh in my mind is the the vision of a game developer sitting there with some, you know, cheat tool that they have that does something hilarious in the game and then calling people over and being like, look what happens when I do this. He goes through the floor and he gets stuck and it's like he swam through the floor and they're like, well, you know, we could do an animation for that and turn yeah. it into a, you know, into a mechanic in the game. And you can very easily see that happening. What's so cool is, you know, people have modded Breath of the Wild and there, you know, you can watch videos of modded versions of that game. And when you mod a game like this, like a really open world, open-ended game with lots of systems, it can be really cool and it can open the door to all kinds of funny stuff happening. But what makes this feel different is 
the fact that they designed the game around it, like you're talking about in Hateno Village or whatever. Like there are every puzzle, every dungeon, everywhere you go is built with Ascend and with Ultra Hand and, you know, all these abilities in mind. So it kind of the game comes and meets all of these awesome tools halfway. And so the more I play, the, the less it feels like modded Breath of the Wild and the more it feels like a really different thing. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the key is that these like they built everything and like you can see it everywhere. I mean, we haven't even yeah. talked about some of the like little things you find along the way like the guy with the signpost who he's, it gives you all the physics. <laughs> Addison, I love Addison that is my favorite Addison. Addison. I love Addison. he's very excited about uh about the he gives the, you good rewards about, it's worth um, it I always yeah, help he, him he, I do and they're always fun it's always fun to help yeah, him. always extremely fun and yeah it just feels like this game is built around these abilities in just a really really incredible way it's also just like astounding that I think a lot of people look at this and they're like oh it's just DLC for Breath of the Wild how could this take six years I think one of the reasons that it took six years do they uh, who are those people whatever yeah of course I mean <laughs> well, you're always here I feel like people did ahead of release but that's kind of I think most people are like now. oh this game is fun it's just I mean it's it's noise it's nonsense but um, yeah, yeah right. The point that I'm making is that I think one of the reasons it took so long is because they have made this like incredibly polished. Like usually when you have a physics sandbox game where you can smash things together and build vehicles and stuff, usually they're pretty janky. Usually there's a lot of bugs. There's a lot of weird physics glitches. There's a lot of clipping through the the walls and, and the dirt and stuff. And this game does not have that. This game is like incredibly polished and feels like pretty pretty bug free i won't say completely bug free but like when you're putting things together the fact that they work so well it's just a testament and then on top of that you just have all this other just like you described maddie zelda goodness like it's still a full-fledged like full of quests and funny dialogue and story and like all this other awesome stuff there's an entire um like backstory like basically memories returned from breath of the wild and there's an entire massive quest line involving those and all this other stuff plus the depths and like it's just again mind-boggling is the way that i would describe this game yeah Yeah. i'm really happy with the main story and Uh i i i don't want to get into it too much because i know spoilers but the spoilers i'll say have made me more excited which doesn't always happen but i feel like it can with a really cool story where you're watching things and you're like oh i see how this fits together Mm. and i feel like i haven't had that sense since something like Ocarina of Time, which is like such a story heavy Zelda game and something I really enjoyed about it. And it's not to say that Breath of the Wild story wasn't great. I I like it fine. I think Princess Zelda has a really cool arc in that game. It's kind of like about a teenager dealing with like a way too much pressure, which is something that Zelda games have never really done before in terms of just how stressful it would be to fight Ganon when you're like 16 years old and like Breath of the Wild kind of tried to navigate that but this game has so much more of those relationships between Zelda and Link and then Ganon is like more of a character later and I just I'm so into it I'm like bring it on like I love that this is part of this like I I was worried that this whole game would just be an immersive sim. And obviously we're all having fun with that. And I am too. Like I'm building weird shit and I'm having a great time more so than I thought I would. Cause I don't play these kind of games very often, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to say, I'm really happy with the story overall so far, even though it's using the same memory system, which I think has its drawbacks. Well, it's a memory system, but it's also kind of not because time travel is involved in this story. And I think that actually gets to something they're doing narratively that's different here that I think is like the key to kind of why the story feels more active, which is that the story itself is active and happening in real time. Right. Like you're recovering memories of Zelda because there's time shenanigans going on, but Zelda Mm -hmm. is active in a parallel storyline to Link and she's like out doing stuff. Yeah. Um, And like that's, Cool. And that I think that lines up also with the way that the ally like support characters play out. I won't get into specifics here, but I did that first big mission up at mm-hmm. the Rito village and you meet a friend there who is an actual NPC that joins you and fights alongside you. This is something that you could see in the trailers too. If you watch the trailers, mm-hmm. you get the sense of, oh, Link's fighting alongside people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's the same idea where, like, you know, now that I've finished that, his spirit gives me an ability mm-hmm. um, and I can call on it whenever I want. But it's a little bit different. Sort of like Breath of the Wild, where the champions give you yes, abilities. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Sorry, that's what I mean. Yes, that it's, it's the same. Only it doesn't have that kind of sad undercurrent, yeah. which was that in Breath of the Wild, they all died and it was their spirits who were kind of joined. Yeah. 
pointing yeah, like me. like a hundred years ago, and the whole actual right. story, the action happened a hundred years ago, right. and that was always so weird that you were just like, well, I guess the story already happened, and I'm just cleaning and up like, the mess, <laughs> like doing the final boss battle. <laughs> and I'm okay with that in a way. Well, I think, and I think that game had a cool energy. Like I yes, like the energy of this so. sort of ruined kingdom that's really overgrown, and it's all just memories, and everyone's kind of trying to live on in the rubble. That's all really cool. But it's neat to see something different now, mm-hmm. and it's fun to have these characters join me and like actually be next to me and talking to Link and goofing around. And the one character I met, I really liked him too. He's a likable little guy, and yeah. so I think that's cool. I think I'm assuming that the rest of the game will play out that way, and um, that's a, a notable change. So Breath of the Wild is very like post-apocalyptic sort of story this is very much about rebuilding and a lot of stuff has been rebuilt um Again, to mention Hatino, just because it's fresh in my mind, you get there and like they're like, we built a school here, and then there's a whole quest line from that, and it's just like cool to see that like, oh, the the residents of Hyrule have all this hope and and like spirit for rebuilding. Another good example of this is like, in addition to having the NPC companions, um, you also you can find these battles everywhere that um, are like enemy forces, and a boss bar appears upstage, and basically the boss bar drains every time you kill one of the Bacavlin or whatever you're fighting and sometimes you can do this alongside a party full of other NPCs who like fight alongside you it's like a straight oh, these up are like the, the army monster battle. hunters yeah the monster uh, hunters oh, okay. yeah. I haven't found I haven't the monster met them hunters, yet. which cool. is super cool um, and not in that it's like mechanically interesting or anything because it's not that special it just feels like a combat battle where like there are NPCs beside you but it's cool to feel like oh this isn't just my fight anymore like all of Hyrule is like banding together and, and working together and a lot of the story and a lot of the themes and the quests, I think, kind of reflect that, too. Um, even yeah. the fact that you find everywhere, you find these uh, little uh, building construction material caches with, like, signs that say, the Hyrule Reconstruction Project. Right. I mean, right. The idea of rebuilding fits well with mm-hmm. a game where your primary mechanic is, is this building, building tool yeah. that lets you combine and build things. Can we talk a little bit about aesthetics? I want to mention the sax factor, since I talked about the um, the saxophone on the show last week. I mentioned the sax factor. Yeah, we need a sax update. <laughs> We need a sax update because now I've played the game and there's so much saxophone in this game. It makes me so happy. They've basically, they've made the sort of sonic, the musical identity of the sky area is driven by the saxophone. It's all these woodwind ensembles with lots and lots of saxophone. Man, the title music, like the title card for this game, which totally rules. Yep. Super sexy. One, what I think my favorite music cue in the game is, are they called Skyview Towers? Is that what the mm-hmm. towers are called? Mm-hmm. So I like what they've done with the, tow- with the towers in general. The way that you don't have to climb them anymore. <laughs> the way that they yeet Link into the air. <laughs> yes, <laughs> have to, like, exactly. Look around with binoculars, basically. That, I feel like that's so quintessentially Nintendo, though, <laughs> where... Because how aren't we all kind of sick of climbing a tower to yep. unlock some of the maps? So they're like, you don't have to climb the tower, don't worry. <laughs> We're going to make it so much cooler than that. We're going to launch Link into the air. Uh-huh. And then you get this amazing cutscene every time where this sax plays this totally beautiful melody. And it's amazing. Like, I, I was laughing and just smiling and feeling so happy uh, that whole time. I, I'm guessing there are some people who found the opening tutorial area. Like, it took too long. They found it a little bit um, tiresome. I mean, but... that's definitely the minority. I feel like I've seen way more people who had the experience oh, okay. I did, which is loving it and not wanting to leave. Like, I picked the Great Sky Islands clean. Like, I was like, I want every single hot pepper. I want to explore right. every corner of this. I, I'm loving this video game. <laughs> well, and for me, it was just like there was saxophone happening yeah. everywhere. And I was like, will the sax ever end? Like, I never <laughs> want this to stop. And when the I finally went back down yeah. to the surface, you know, the it's more the piano so they reuse some music cues but they're kind of judicious with it there's plenty of new music as well mm-hmm. and um, I just love that they chose the saxophone to be the defining instrument yeah. of the sky of this game that's all about the sky like that just makes me so happy yeah. that there's so much lovely saxophone in this game hell yeah 
some repeating music. The stable music is repeating from uh, mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild. Some uh, and a lot of the sound cues are very similar, or yeah. if not the if not identical. Though they have fun with it. Like when you go to the stable that's been converted into a newspaper uh-huh. hub, yeah, the different. music yep. is similar but a little bit different because uh-huh. it's been taken over and turned into something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a newspaper, um, yeah. and that's really the most unrealistic thing about this game is a thriving newspaper took over. Yeah, yeah. and, and that she can afford to buy a stable. How- yeah. This is ridiculous. This uh-huh. out of work stable. And she hires you to be a journalist. Yeah, I don't get mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's absurd. How come I, Hyrule Hyrule Equity Partners hasn't taken over? That? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I just before we before we wrap this up. I mean, there's so many more things we could say and will say. I just wanted to mention yes. some of the scary elements of this game, like the gloom mm. hands and how cool they are. Like Kirk, I don't know if you're far enough to even know what enemy I'm talking about, but they have their own music cue that is terrifying, and also like the Blood Moon animation is way creepy. It's now. way more hardcore than yeah. Breath of the Wild. And it's like, like thriller. I expect the thriller music to start <laughs> so playing when, when Zelda starts talking. Witness the blood moon's rise. When its red glow shines upon the land. The endless spirits of slain monsters return to flesh. The foulness enters in the air. The funk of 40,000 years. Yeah, and it kind of fits with the overall main storyline, which is far more of a mystery where it's like, where's Zelda and what's going on? And people have seen her, but like the they don't know why she won't talk to them. There's like sort of this mm-hmm. ghost like Zelda that people are describing seeing. And that's creepy. It's very like Jordan Peele's us. It's mm-hmm. like, what is what's mm-hmm. going on with this other Zelda? <laughs> and the depths. Not exist. a comparison I was expecting to hear on this episode. I know. No, it's well, it's, it has me thinking about it because there's some really mm. there's some creepy stuff in here. And that also to me is the good Zelda stuff because it's like ocarina of time it's like just sure. the creepy stuff where you're like What's i mean majora's going on? mask dark world yeah majora's game. mask which is ocarina on i don't know lsd i don't know it's, yeah. <laughs> you're having a bad trip though yes very <laughs> anyway so. i i'm just very excited to see those elements of zelda return and i i mean i'm excited to play more zelda tonight uh any any other final thoughts before we <laughs> try to wrap this up <laughs> no i'm excited to play zelda tonight i'm excited to play on the flight to new york i'm excited yeah. to talk about it uh live at our show tonight i guess as you're yeah, listening tonight. to this and i'm just excited to play more yeah, yeah we'll keep discussing yes okay uh we'll be back in a second with one more thing Trans representation in media is at an all-time high, with trans entertainers gracing the screens large and small. But trans voices, especially black trans voices, are rarely centered in our own stories. That's why we bring you a new limited series called We See Each Other, the podcast, co-hosted by me, journalist, and better half of the Max Fun podcast, Fanta, Travel Anderson, and me, award-winning journalist and media personality, Shar Jossel. All of it is based on my book, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film, now listen, folks, we're having a very different kind of conversation. It's giving kitchen table talk. Mm-hmm. We get into the discourse, honey. Tune in to We See Each Other, the podcast at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get Slayworthy Audio. The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Diablo 4. Final Fantasy 16. Street Fighter 6. Baldur's Gate 3. Starfield. Spider-Man 2. Master Detective Archives Raincoat for Nintendo Switch. No, is that just me? (laughs) (laughs) It's a huge time for video games. You need somebody to tell you what's good, what's not so good, and what's amazing. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. We're the hosts of Triple Click a video game podcast for anyone who likes games. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bing! Kirk here. I'm editing the episode. I just wanted to put that ad in there because I think it was really funny and Jason legitimately surprised us with that ridiculous game that he picked. And um, it's going out network-wide. Obviously, you don't need an ad to tell you to listen to Triple Click. Thanks for listening to Triple Click. I just thought you all might enjoy that ad because um, I did. I think it's very funny. Okay, back to the show. We are back with one more thing. Uh, Jason, why don't you go first? 
I want to okay. hear about yours. I went to the movies last week. Um, I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3, the conclusion of James Gunn's Guardians trilogy. And I left the theater thinking, wow, it's been like three years since I've seen a, a Marvel movie that I really liked. And now we're finally here. <laughs> uh, this is a nice. really good movie. Um, yeah, it just felt like we've been getting this glut of disappointing Marvel movies, a disappointing Thor, a disappointing Black Panther 2, a, a few others that were just kind of mediocre to good at best or fine at best. And Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3 is just very good. It's like a very fun, good, entertaining, heartwarming movie. And the reason, the main reason, is that they very smartly, James Gunn very smartly decided to focus on Rocket Raccoon and his backstory. And so the whole movie is interspersed with flashbacks um, about him and how he became this kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know, sentient raccoon, super smart <laughs> sentient raccoon. Um, and it's uh, a tragic backstory, of course, but it's also very good. Um, and then there's just a ton of good action. There's this incredible hallway fight scene where they all team up together and it's just super uh, like well choreographed and shot and interesting. And yeah, it's just a tight, solid movie all around that uh, made me a little bit sad that James Gunn is leaving the MCU and going into the DC world. But um, yeah, as you expect, well, they I mean, the first two, they do, they do need a lighter touch. Yeah, man, have we, Jason, you got to watch Peacemaker, man. Like, oh, it's so you really good. do. It's like it's really, just, really I good. I've been so like the Marvel. Marvel is such a commitment. Marvel's such a commitment. What is that? You can just watch it as its own thing, though, and it's. You'll like it. I I know, I know. But Marvel is such a commitment. I just haven't brought myself to watch any of the DC stuff. It's kind of the nice thing about like the DC stuff, or at least gun stuff, is that it doesn't require that same kind of commitment that Marvel does. And you could just watch yes, Peacemaker. It doesn't. I you promise. say gun stuff, but now gun stuff is is all of DC. Anyway, um, <laughs> Guardians Part Three, really good. Which isn't a surprise because the first two were also just very excellent movies, both of them. Um, I thought, and yeah, this one is is also really good. Just and there's also a dog who is the best Cosmo the dog is just fantastic oh, yeah. From, who is in the, the Guardians game right yeah. Cosmo, Cosmo in the Guardians uh-huh. game mm-hmm. Cosmo the dog and Amazing. appears in this one uh, I don't remember if he was it. in the first two or she was in the first two movies but I think uh I don't uh, think in so. This one, she is a standout, no, just the game. standout performance, and yeah, just just great. Um, the entire that entire band of actors and characters are all just really fun to watch. Dave Bautista as Drax is a super fun. Um, Groot, as always, uh, just an incredible. Vin I hope Diesel. I hope Vin Diesel is making a lot of money to to, to say <laughs> to I am say Groot. Groot. Over Vin, again. I think Vin Diesel is is doing fine. Yeah, I'm so worried about him. I hope he's making enough money. To say Groot. I wonder how much he makes to say I am Groot over and over again. Probably a fair amount. Probably a lot. Can I ask? Um, I, I'm probably going to wind up seeing this one alone since I've seen a lot of people saying there's a lot of pretty rough animal stuff in this game. How was that for you? Or sorry, in this movie, there's a lot of rough animal stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll avoid spoiling too much, but there's definitely some violence to animals. Yeah, um, and that's what I've some, heard yeah. too. Some painful animal stuff for Bring sure. Bring some Kleenex with you, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what you would expect for like a rocket raccoon back story there's gonna be like animal experimentation and violence and and stuff and cruelty to animals for sure um but like uh it's well i don't know yes it's it's definitely there it didn't bother it didn't bother you as much but if you are sensitive to that kind of thing it is probably a good thing to be aware of. i well i i came in when when you start seeing those scenes you kind of brace yourself for like okay there's no i mean this something tragic is going to happen here like you you know what's coming right like you feel like the movie's leading you in well it depends on your threshold though for yeah, if yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. deal with any of that stuff at all don't maybe yes, maybe if skip you can't it. deal with animal violence even cgi animal violence if you can't deal with any of that stuff then mm-hmm. yeah skip it all right cool i'll go next cuz mine's also a movie uh so i watched this comedy horror movie called Bodies, 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 which stars Pete Davidson and a very diverse cast of other people. And I really enjoyed it. I feel like I remember this movie getting some flack at the time because maybe people couldn't quite get on board with the dark humor of it. There's a lot Isn't that sort of, of like all the cool kids? Isn't yes. it kind of a cool kids movie? It that is. was sort of the coverage I saw. And it's like, it's a bunch of like rich kids. And then there's this one young woman who's sort of your way in, who's the girlfriend of one of these rich kids. And she is like very quiet and you don't know a lot about her really for the whole movie, but she's a pretty good way in despite that because she's like an every woman, but also she's only been dating this girl for like six weeks. So she doesn't know 
any of these kids. And then, of course, they're, you know, it's a locked room murder mystery. The murders start happening. Everybody is accusing the outsider character. And even you, the viewer, are like, wait, is it her? And honestly, like, I could never have guessed anything that unfolds in this movie. And I was <laughs> very, very okay. impressed by the ending because with each murder, I was like, okay, like, I, I think I'm following this. But then the final three minutes, I was like, I don't know how they're going to end this movie. Like, I feel like they can't end it. Like, the place nice. that we're in right now is crazy. And then in the final three minutes, they wrap it up. And I was like, what? So, yeah, I really oh, recommend it. Fun. <laughs> if sounds you like just a good want, movie. like, a weird ride through a murder mystery where... I do. I, I think do I can that. promise you won't mm -hmm. guess the ending. And also, it's very funny. Like, if you think that Pete Davidson is funny... I don't know. I, where, I mean, where I is do. it streaming? Where is it streaming? Oh, God, I don't know. On one of my many, many services that I pay for, and, <laughs> and I'm upset that I pay for. I don't know, but it, I, I watched it on the internet. It's on one of them. Yeah. Um, Kirk. Oh, it's called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It came out in 2022. A uh, lot of blood in it. Definitely a horror movie, but comedy more than horror. Kirk, what is your one more thing? Uh, my one more thing is a book that I am reading that I'm enjoying um, called The Empire's Ruin by Brian Stavely. So I, I finished this, um, what would you call it, pop science book, Breath? I think I've yes. talked to you to you about it, Maddie, which is yeah. pretty cool. It's like one of those change everything you think you knew about <laughs> how your mouth and your sinuses work. That was cool. Oh. That was fun. But I was kind of in the mood for just some fiction after that. So um, I started reading this book, which is a new trilogy from the author of the uh, the Chronicles of the Unhewn Throne, which Jason, I know you've These read names. those books. I <laughs> yes, these are. It is like very much, yeah, really dense fantasy world. Lots of lore, lots of complex proper nouns. Mm -hmm. But I really liked the original trilogy. Um, yeah, I'm it's really the, good. the Empire's Blade, the Emperor's Blades. I think mm -hmm. is the first one. Um, they're really cool. They're very bleak and pretty pretty hardcore. Like really. Really hardcore stuff happens in them. It's um, a very kind of uh, a world where life is pretty cheap. There's a lot of war. It's the story. The first trilogy was the story of this empire, the Anurian Empire, and the children of the empire who were scattered to different points of the globe and then have their own adventures as there's kind of this plot to overthrow the empire and maybe destroy the world and kill everyone. And you are kind of on the side of the dominating empire for the whole books, which is complicated. And, uh, you know, you, you get into kind of just like a lot of war. A lot of people get killed. One of the coolest things in that trilogy is the idea of the Ketrel, which are the name of this sort of strike force that work for the empire. And they fly on these huge birds and the birds are the Ketrel. And so there will be, it's called a wing and it's basically a squad where there's like a demolitions person and a leech who can like do kind of some magic. And there's the flyer who flies the bird and is like mounted up on the top of the bird. And I don't remember the other roles. Oh, a sniper uses a bow and arrow. And so they like, strap in to the claws of this huge bird and then the birds will like fly into battle and they're trained to be you know like super unstoppable warriors and so the Ketrel are like the reason that the Empire is so powerful in the first trilogy and then there's a big civil war and like a whole bunch of Ketrel die um, over the course of the trilogy and at the start of this new series there are almost no birds left and the series picks up with some characters who were side characters in the original trilogy. This is many years later, so the dust has settled. I won't say all the specifics, but we're in a whole new world, a whole new like phase of the Empire. The world is actually kind of like crumbling. The Empire is falling mm -hmm. apart. It's the Tears of the Kingdom to the Breath of the Wild. It's, it really the is kind of the trilogy. Tears of the Kingdom. And the main character is a, a woman named Gwenna Sharp, who was a side character in... She kind of rose to prominence over the course of the original trilogy. She's super cool. She's this kind of like irresponsible, hard-headed... Um, I don't know. She she never thinks of herself as a leader, but always winds up becoming a leader and is always doubting herself, but then kind of comes through in the clutch. She's like a demolitions expert, Ketrel. And um, she is sent to this mysterious island to try to get eggs so they can get more birds because they need more birds because they're all out after the original trilogy. So it follows her on that quest, which has just started for me. I'm in the first sort of third of the book and then some other characters as well. And it's cool. It like really just brings me back to sort of Stavely's general worldview, which is a pretty rough kind of just like, you know, it's like a, a, a really gritty world where just people like 
barely survive, but then everyone in it is really tough and they've just been really toughened by things and they kind of, you know, survive by the skin of their teeth. It's also just a cool magic system. They're kind of gods that walk the earth. There's a lot of mystery in terms of when, like, what it means for someone to even be a god and, like, what that kind of power looks like. Like, the magic of this world is really neat. So I just really dig it. It's kind of a fun, pretty pretty readable book, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. So I just wanted to say I didn't know there was a new trilogy um, in the works. Yeah, me neither. I was going to say, and I really enjoyed the first one. So, yeah, this one, this book, um, The Empire's Ruin, came out in 2021. And while I'm always kind of hesitant these days after, you know, Lies of Locke Lamora, The Gentleman Bastards, mm-hmm, and after mm-hmm. The Name of the Wind, and the Rothfuss books like so many of these (laughs) books you start them and then it's like or I mean hell uh, Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire you start them and then it's like oh maybe they'll never end so I don't know if you ever read Kirk there was like a side spinoff called Skull Skull Sworn that came out Yeah. yeah that was also a good one I, oh, no, nice. I, wait, I didn't read that. I remember, uh, I like the character. That's what I was saying. That's a good one. I didn't read the side spin. Yeah, it's like the Skull Sworn Assassins, right? She was a character yes. in, I think, yeah. the third she book. she was cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even realize there was a, a new trilogy in the same world. Yeah, cool. so it's, and basically my my only, my only point there is that I have faith in Stavely to like be able to finish a trilogy because he did yeah, it he once. Did it so I feel time. like he and can probably do it again. Like, he did those, he banged those out like one after the other. Yeah, so that was yeah. pretty Is there only one book out in this new trilogy, though? There is currently, yes. So it is a little bit of a risk. It's always a risk because you never know. But um, I'd say he has a good track record, so I'm excited for for the next book. I mean, I'm excited to finish this book, Mm -hmm. but I'm really digging it so far. It's really cool. All right. Well, we've done another ep. And and hey... You, you listeners gotta hurry. You gotta hurry to the bell house. You gotta yeah, put on your running shoes. You're gonna be late. You're gonna <laughs> like, be late. We're going on in like an hour. <laughs> like, hurry up. <laughs> Depending yeah. on where you live, Get you might to have to show. run really far. So well, maybe people are listening luck. to this on the commute. To, or uh, maybe the maybe they're the buying a ticket to the live stream. There's a That's live true. stream if you want to watch the video. In which case, we'll see you yes. soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you soon. Real we'll see you in the live. To talk more feed. about Zelda. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and maybe yeah, some other stuff right. too. Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, we'll see you then. See you next yeah. week. See you both on stage. <laughs> Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.